today on the High Button Podcast. Very special guest. His name goes by Sawyer Hanne. Sawyer was a fan favorite, in my opinion, playing for the Halifax Mooseheads. He was also drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, and he's also the creator and founder of Country Liberty Clothing. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk a little bit of hockey and also a little bit about his brand. It's going to be a great conversation. I believe he's in the car driving back to New Brunswick right now, so it's going to be a phone uh, a phone podcast. Nonetheless, I'm excited that Sawyer's taking the time out of his day to sit down and talk to me. Really looking forward to this one. Sit tight. Here we go. Okay, and here we go. Sawyer Hanne, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining us. Good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you giving me some of your time. I know you're a busy guy lately. A lot's going on with you. Uh, and yeah, for you to be able to sit down for an hour, I do appreciate it. Yeah, no sweat, man. Um, so congratulations. I want to talk about, you know, I want to talk about your brand. I want to talk about hockey. I want to mix in everything. Like with the High Button Podcast, I want to mix in a little bit of athletics and entrepreneurial spirit. So I feel like this sure. is going to be a great, uh, a great content for the listeners. Awesome. Um, so yeah, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on the deal with Studio with uh, Country Liberty. That's impressive. This must be some of the most exciting times uh, of your life right now. Yeah, I mean it's certainly a. Uh, I mean, in, in business, I'm finding there's you know various highs and lows. Um, the last week or so has certainly been a high. Um, <laughs> I've been pursuing I've been pursuing a relationship with Studio. For a long time now, um, and I kind of had my eyes on them since the very beginning. Um, so to finally, you know, strike strike up an agreement um, and, and move together as as partners, it feels pretty good. So how long have you been like pursuing them? How long have you wanted to be in like a partnership with them for? Um, well, when the brand started conservatively, I you know I had them in mind as as they are um, basically the like being centered in Halifax, they are kind of the retail distribution for any kind of East Coast. Um, clothing um, entrepreneur. I mean, they're kind of the, the one-stop shop. So, I, you know, early on, I did my market research. I realized kind of how important they were here in the East Coast. Um, and then when the brand started to get some traction, I realized, you know, this might this might actually, uh, this might actually happen, you know, if I work hard enough and, and if I kind of make enough of the right moves, I can put myself in a position of interest for them. Um, and I guess that was probably about two years or about a year and a half since that realization where I said, you know, if I do a lot of the right things, this could this could actually happen. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, about a year and a half ago, and within the last few weeks, we've been in conversations and kind of came to an agreement. That's probably the most exciting thing for you, like this past week, like you're saying two years you're putting in this work, and now all of a sudden it's kind of coming through to yeah. fruition. Like that must be the most satisfying feeling, knowing you're just working yeah. your bag off and this is coming and through. Then, and, and that's just it. And really, I mean, nothing was guaranteed, 
so there, there were certainly days where I get discouraged and, you know, because I couldn't see the light at the end of that tunnel. Uh, but for whatever reason, I was able to focus on uh, kind of the micro efforts, like day to day, like, you know, post to post, like, you know, contact to contact, you know, new customer to new customer, um, and just kind of very micro, uh, micro moves, I guess. And, and when those micro moves compiled in enough volume, it turned into a real situation. Uh, and, and like I said, piqued the interest of Studio. Okay, well let's let's talk about that. Like your the brand is obviously growing right now. I'm looking at your social media content, your clothing, your website, everything. It's blowing up. Like how about like hiring staff? Is that something that you're gonna have to start looking towards like to do soon? Or like how many people do you got working with you right now? Yeah, um, I'm a bit of a. Uh, I think I'm a little bit in left field in terms of the way that I operate my business. Um, I actually do a lot of hiring out in terms of like um, single service contract work. Okay. So for example, if I if I need something done versus you know putting somebody on the payroll eight to five, I'll sim- I'll simply seek out and, and essentially recruit that person and hire them for one time objectives here and there. Now some of those people are doing a lot of one time objectives consistently, um, but you know I basically look at it project by project. And I find that that's more of a cost-efficient way to hiring right now versus just, you know, um, hiring somebody, you know, 8 to 5, 40, 40 hours a week. It seems like every time, like, like I'm peppering you with questions, and every question that I'm asking, it seems like you just have an answer for. So it seems like you've just, like, had so much time to come up with this business idea. And I know that, like, you know, you're very competitive when it comes to hockey when you're younger, but maybe you didn't have time yeah. to, like, pursue this as, a, as an actual like career when you're playing hockey because hockey's obviously too busy so like were you were you were you the guy like on the bus just like doodling and like planning this out um not not exactly i mean i i come up with the idea when i was in europe so i was i was 19 and i was in europe but i mean the the especially the younger days but i mean all the way up until i was about 21 i was extremely hockey focused like i was man, I was all in. Like, any necessary sacrifice, I couldn't make it fast enough. Like, I was just, I was all in in the hockey world. Um, and I came to a pivotal point when I went back to university that I realized, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, decent at things other than just hockey. You know, I was so far wrapped up in that identity. And, I, you know, I thought I was put on this planet to play the game. And then I realized my, my perspective kind of broadened. And I said, you know what, I have other interests. And I really started to try, like, a bunch of different things, um, and, and business being one of them. And my, my, the passion I had for hockey throughout my university days quickly shifted over to business. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to answer your question, I didn't really think that I was a business guy until I realized I was a business guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, yeah, like, it just, it just kind of happened. And, I mean, for me, I don't... I don't understand how to do something half speed. Like for hockey, I was all in all my cards on the table, all my chips in. And and now that's the same, but with business, you know, and I'm sure that'll be the next thing with whatever the hell I happen to do next. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's just the way that I operate. That's cool. I like that. I, when I listen to your story and I listen to other people's stories, some people are, uh, like I, when I hear people talk about how hockey can consume someone's life and when they're outside of the rink, they like to, you know, do other hobbies and things like that. But when I hear from you and you just say you go 100% at no matter what you're doing, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, I mean, I, I would love to say, you know, I had all these secret tricks up my sleeve throughout my hockey days. But the truth is I, I was tunnel vision, man. I was focused on hockey. That's all I wanted to do. I was willing to do anything to get there. 
to you know um and that that passion when i went back to university like i said i gained perspective i started to realize you know and gain confidence in areas that i didn't have confidence before you know in the past what do you mean and like what I, what what do you mean like what areas like give confidence um well well certainly i mean the business world my father was a business guy but the business world as i was growing up was fairly intimidating to me you know mm-hmm. i never really thought oh maybe i can do it maybe i can i don't know you know i wasn't a great high school student mm-hmm. i skipped a lot of school my marks weren't great I wasn't a school guy. I was a hockey guy. Mm. And, and when I went back to university, I realized, you know, I can get good marks. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy. I can do this <laughs> and that. And then I started to gain confidence in those areas. And I was like, oh, man, what else can I do? You know what I mean? So I started to just kind of run with the idea of, like, being more than just an athlete. Um, and, and I really fell in love with the thought of, like, hey, like, business doesn't expire, you know? You can run a business till you're 95, you know? Where in the athletic world, as you know, being a hockey guy, um, your window of opportunity is very small. Absolutely. And I think a lot of players struggle with that. I think that guys like you and I are lucky because we found something after hockey. But when I talk to most guys, I I feel a lot of them, um, they have a a trouble finding something after hockey that they can really sink their teeth into and be passionate because that's a huge thing with hockey. So many guys playing hockey, there's so much passion involved in it. And then when that's over and you go sit at a bank teller, it's it's kind of hard to to find fulfillment in life. Well, that's just it. And my, my answer, anyone especially that played competitive hockey, you have that in you. You know, that, that hockey player, whoever that is, if, if he reached a, a competitive level, he's got that passion. He's got that competitiveness. He's got that um, leader, those leadership skills necessary to get there. He's got all, he's got the DNA to do many other things. I just think there's a lot of hockey players that just fret and look back and say, oh man, you know, in 2007, I was this guy. Well, no, man, your hockey days are done. You still have the DNA. Apply that to something else. You know, find another interest because I was in love with hockey. I thought I was a one-trick pony, and I I realized I have a lot of different interests, you know? So I think that every single hockey guy that's fretting on the past, they have other interests too. It's just a matter of finding them. Yeah, and it's just not even hockey. I think it's just any sports in general. If you're able to compete at a high level, not even a high level, just compete at any sort of athletic um, activity, you're able to transfer that into the business world, and I, I do agree with you. It's very well said. Yeah. Well, let's, I, I think so. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, you go. You go. Well, I was just gonna say, in addition to that, like hockey offered me tons of different things outside of, of of what I just described. I mean, my social skills. I mean, you know what it's like. You go to a new team. You don't you don't know anybody on the team. Half the guys you played against. You know, and if you played anything the way I did, they didn't like they didn't like me. You know what I mean? Nobody liked me when I joined their team. Yeah. Because I was hard on them playing against them and so be it. But I mean, you, you learn and you adapt because you have to, but that stretches you out of your comfort zone in the hockey world that can later be applied to anything you want to do. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. Any career choice you can apply those those skills and those kind of awkward, tough lessons you learn, you can apply that for the rest of your life to anything else. Well said, well said. Um, I want to talk about the actual brand, like Country Liberty. So I know you grew up out yep. in the country, and you wanted to yep. relate your lifestyle to the actual brand. Tell me about yep. things that you know you really wanted. Like I know you're into the photography thing, and your social yep. media pages are really reflecting, uh, you know, towards the brand, like the pictures and things like that. Yep. Tell me, like, where yep. where that where the core came from for the brand. Okay, sure. I mean, I grew up in rural New Brunswick. Um, I grew about ten or fifteen minutes. Grew up about 10 or 15 minutes outside of town, town being Rexton, population, you know, eight or 900. Jesus. Very small, small area. So yeah, you know so everyone. My, 
Well, that's just it. I know, every, and and I mean, my first taste of like anything outside of Rexton only came to me at 16 when I moved to to, to Dartmouth to play for the Mooseheads. Are you serious? And, I didn't yeah, know that. So, I mean, I traveled around a bit, you know, to hockey tournaments and whatever, but I didn't move outside of Rexton until I was 16 in in, in Halifax. And I mean, I thought the I thought everybody grew up the way I did, you know. Well, I thought everybody had, had, had acres of land to run and play and whatever, right, as a kid. <laughs> um, but, but what I realized is we, not everybody does, and a lot of people um, a lot of people really enjoy that. Or, like, a lot of people pay big money to have a cottage in an area like that or to whatever, right? So, yeah. for me, I, I was like, holy crap, man. I got something I should be really proud of. I got this, this lifestyle, this childhood I grew up with that not everybody had the privilege of, of having. Um, so I guess with my pride, the, the, I started kind of thinking up different ideas as to how to represent that. Um, and essentially that's where I landed on, you know, country Liberty. I said, I want to just simply print on t-shirts, basically show my pride for my childhood and the, and, and the way that I grew up. Um, and that's basically how it started. I mean, myself, I'm not a real fashionable guy. That's the big irony. I'm, I'm not a fashionable guy. I mean, like my closet hasn't changed in the last, aside from new country Liberty stuff. My closet hasn't changed in the last four years. Like, but I just, I just knew I, I knew I wanted to represent it. I didn't know how, so clothing was the easy solution for me. Yeah. Um. And 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 it's it's really proved interesting since. Well, you know, like I said at the beginning of the, the podcast here, it really sounds like you know what you're doing here, and a hockey, um, not a stereotype, but you know, a lot of people think hockey players don't really know what they're doing in the business world and things like right. that, and. When yeah. they go along life, they're just a bunch of dummies, and it really sounds like you know right. what you're talking about. So, like, did you do you have any mentors going through school about getting this brand off the ground, or was were you just in Google typing questions yeah. and how to figure yeah. it out? Yeah, I mean, I had a few influences here and there, um, and I certainly caught breaks here and there, and, and you know, uh, contact A would introduce me to contact B here and there. But I mean, at the end of the day, I did I did most of my learning. Um, through, through the Google search bar, just yeah, like you said, yeah. YouTube tutorials, Google search bar, but also by doing it. Like I'm a very a visual learner, a very physical present person, like trial and error. Yeah. Social media I was completely self-taught just based on trying things, screwing up a lot, learning from mistakes, getting it right, getting it right, learning, learning, learning. And I think that's where a lot um, of people mess up is where they when they make mistakes and then they think, oh, that's it, I'm, uh, I'm done. When you make yeah, a mistake, I mean, you just got to keep going through it. Well, that's you keep going, and I—I I, I mean, there isn't a single piece of content you can put out there. Well, maybe yeah. I'll take <laughs> there, there's very few pieces of content that you can put out there that's really gonna ruin who you are. You know? Yeah. As long as you're, as long as you're reasonable. Like, for example, if you put up an image that's low quality, do I recommend that? No. Is it gonna ruin your reputation? No. You know? So I put up low quality images thinking that they'd have a good performance. They don't. I accident and move on. You know, I learned the hard lesson. Oops, not going to do that again. Move on. And I mean, I've done that a zillion, a zillion times. And what I found at the university level, I took a marketing class and they were about a year and a half out of date because the universities cannot keep up with how fast social media is changing. I mean, you know yourself, every single month, there's a new Facebook upgrade, uh, update. There's a new Instagram update. There's a new algorithm change. I mean, it changes every, every couple of weeks. Um, so, I, I mean, the best way, in my opinion, to stay on top of it is to stay on top of it. You know what I mean? You're not going to read a book that's going to that's gonna teach it to you. Because at the end of the day, by the time you're finished the book, there'll be new changes. 
Yeah, very well said again, man. This is <laughs> you're giving some good insight to the listeners here. I love it. So l- 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 yeah. let's talk about entrepreneurs in general. Let's like leave athletes and everything out of this. Let's let's talk sure, about okay. entrepreneurs like a young op- entrepreneur coming up. Maybe it could be a hockey player listening. Maybe give yeah. a little bit of advice. Um, a little bit of advice to them, just about how you'd come up yeah. about growing a little bit of a business going. Yeah. Okay. If that makes um, sense. The, yeah, yeah. The very first thing I would say, and the most important thing, and I one of the most important things that I remind myself of this consistently um, it's it's so important to not care what people think did you read that book that book the the, the subtle art yeah the subtle art yeah. yeah one day one day brother read it great book <laughs> uh, yeah I, I read that I read three or four books that are very similar okay um, sorry to interrupt yeah, you keep going no 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 sweat and that's uh, I mean I definitely recommend that book to anybody but um, it, it's so important not to care and I'll tell you why any entrepreneur looking to start something if you're starting something new it's it's things that society isn't comfortable with already because it's new right mm-hmm. so you're, immediately when you start something new people are going to judge you they're going to look at you funny they're going to think you're silly they're going to think it's stupid they're not going to be on board with it but you got to if you see the vision and you feel it my advice would be don't care what any of these people say don't care. You just got to keep your eye on the prize, laser focused, because all those trolls and, and those negative people are going to bring you down just because you're doing something different. And anytime you start something new for yourself, it, if it's new, it's different. So mm-hmm. I think that that you got to grow thick skin uh, in, in that regard. And I think that you just you can't you simply cannot care what negative people have to say about it. If you believe it, you have to just go with it and kick all the trolls to the side. Yeah, that's good advice. Well said. And I hope that people are listening that are, are listening right now take this to take this to heart because it is true. Everything that he's saying, Sawyer, it's a it's great advice. You can't care about what people say. I feel like I should be no. putting in my two cents, but you're just covering everything that I'm thinking right now auto- automatically. So well said. Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you you just you cannot possibly care because you're starting something new and different, and you, anything different gets judged. We all know that. So, and and you know, to, it, yeah. It, and if you think it's like, I mean, I've been judged on everything I've ever done, including hockey, including um, photography. I mean, I'm, I'm from a very masculine community, traditional, all these things. And here I am, like, on the side of the road taking pictures of, of the puddle in the ditch. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's weird, but I just, I can't possibly care because if I did, I would have set my camera down and I would have missed out on a very big interest in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. Very well yeah. said once again, man. Um, I, I want to talk about the outdoor influence uh, of Country Liberty. Okay. Obviously, yeah. uh, it has an outdoor influence. What's your favorite activity uh, to do outside? Are you a hunting guy? Are you a fishing guy? Are you a um, beach by no, the fire I'm guy? Not, ironically, I'm not a hunter or a fisher. Um, I don't have the attention span for that stuff. I'm more go, go, go. I can't just sit and wait. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I just enjoy being out there. I mean, fresh air to me is like... A power juice like you know what i mean it's just being out there having getting your cheeks a little red you know whatever breaking a sweat going seeing something new for the first time like a hike whatever that yeah like a hike or whatever you, i mean i went on a hike today but i mean whatever you whatever outside kind of offers and the, and that's where the freedom aspect of country liberty comes in is in the country man you're free to do that stuff you know i can go for a walk in the woods or whatever and i'm not in fear of like violating a law or like you know stepping on somebody's personal property or like whatever right like i love that freedom aspect of just wide open spaces 
and and you know the the world is your oyster but the types of people that feel that way also respect the nature and they don't you know disrespect it or or tarnish it in any way so i think it's like a perfect mix and that that's the customer i'm so proud to represent yeah, well said again once again. You've been all over the world. Hockey's brought you everywhere, all the way from Australia, parts all over Canada. Where would you say is your favorite yeah. place, like, uh, just on, outdoors? Uh, I, yeah, I was in uh, Austria, not Australia. I'd uh, love to go to Australia. Oh, I said Austria. Uh, or, maybe okay. I said Australia. Okay, my, I don't know. I don't my know. Mis- my, my bad. Mistake. No, maybe um, my mistake. <laughs> That's our maritime. Yeah, We're yeah. going to say sorry till the whole thing's over. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, for me, I've... I've I've lived in the States, I've lived in Europe, I've lived in Quebec, I've lived in New Brunswick, I lived in Nova Scotia. And I loved, honest to God, I loved every single place I've been. I loved every place I lived, I love every place I, I've ever visited. And to me, it's hard for me to, to choose really, but I'll tell you, I'm pretty comfortable now. I live a few doors down from my mother, a few door, like a few, you know, a five minute drive from my father. I got friends and family close. I'm living in rural New Brunswick. Uh, I get to do my business from a, in rural New Brunswick, which it's it is hard to to run a business in rural New Brunswick. But being online based, I can do that. Um, so I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. Um, and that being said, I'm sure I'll move around a lot before my day is done. But essentially, I guess uh, to kind of recap, I, I've liked everywhere I've been. <laughs> I kind of feel like we kind of share the same story a little bit how like we've traveled all over the world but as soon as you come back home you realize why it's home like you mentioned your family yeah. and your friends and living back at home there's just a certain feeling about it when you come back that you can't get anywhere else especially uh, you know a places that I've lived on the west coast the uh, places like that but when you come back home you just have that feeling that feels right yeah absolutely I mean I mean, New Brunswick and Rexton will always be my home, regardless of where I go. Yeah. But I look forward to go, I look forward to going to new places too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of both sides. Um. So what? So what's next for the brand? Like, what's? Uh, I know you probably can't give us like a lot of detail, but what's? Uh, you got to give us a little something. What's? What's next for it? Yeah. Um. Well, I actually I had a long, like four and a half hour meeting today with the studio team. Jesus. Um, I'm start, uh, yeah, I'm starting to really get to know them uh, on kind of a personal level, which um, is that's often a way that I, I uh, operate my business. I really like to get to know the people that I'm working with. Of course. Um, and I really, I really, yeah, I really enjoy that side of things too. I'm, I'm kind of selfish in that way. I'm a really social guy. That's and fun, I yeah. love getting to know and, and, and things like that, the people that I'm working with. Um, so you can expect a lot from the relationship with um, myself and studio. Um, we have a long list of new products. Um, as the brand's growing, I'm getting more and more flexibility with diversity in terms of product development um, and and things like that. So I'm going to have a lot of new exciting products, a few new designs coming out, a, a few completely different garments that we've never that it, that will come. It might not come to a surprise to the audience, but it, it it's certainly something the audience isn't expecting, I guess. Um, so I'm very excited to do that. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're going to be doing, we're heavily involved with the Cavendish Beach Music Festival. I was going to ask uh, that, yeah. Yeah, we're a main sponsor there. We're going to be vending. We're going to have our own team. Um, and myself will be there um, vending and with a few cameras, creating some fun lifestyle content um, and kind of capturing the, capturing the festival so we can share it with, with our audience um, and the people that attended. Um, so we're, yeah, that's going to be a big activation. We're working with Atlantic Lotto, um, Atlantic Lotto on a project there. Um, you know, that's very excited, very exciting. 
Um, I also have a huge collection that's going to be released with Parks New Brunswick, uh, which is really cool. And this is the first time I've publicly said that, but we're so close to launching. I feel like it's okay that I kind of leak that information. I'm there pretty excited go. about it. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's the leak for you. Yeah. Um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. 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 So no, a lot of things that people would expect, but also I got a few curveballs coming. Love it. Love it. Always keeping it fresh. Yeah. You said you were doing yeah. the, you said you were doing drone work today. Where were you doing that? Yeah. So, um, last week I bought a drone and today I realized I should have bought a drone the second they came out cause they're so much fun. <laughs> um, I was, where was I? I was in, uh, uh, just on the other side of Porter's Lake, I was shooting. There was a, um, what was it called? There was a nature trail anyway, and we hiked up a mountain. Um, and I, I did some drone work from up there. I took some photos with uh, just my camera, some lifestyle stuff. It wasn't really a Country Liberty directed shoot. It was more of a just get out, get some fresh air, enjoy the day kind of thing. Um, I like to shoot recreationally a lot. Cool. That's kind of my like, yeah, that's kind of my wine wind down kind of output um so i do a lot of that so it was it was more or less um with that intention and you had a four-hour meeting with studio and now you're sitting here talking to me like i appreciate that you're a busy yeah, guy right now yeah you're no sweat man but, but i'll tell you I'm, I'm a lot more effective when, when things are chaotic and when i'm busy the yeah. second i'm not busy I'm, I'm lost man like i don't know where i don't i just make work for myself in those moments because i i find i uh i'm most effective when you know when the situations get a little tense. You're going to need like a secretary at some point. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, my attention spans all over the map and I start about four things before I finish one. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I always joke to friends and stuff that I would need like, you know, an assistant. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think an assistant could, could really keep up with the way, you know, that my mind will shift here and there. And not to mention if they could, it'd be a hard job. <laughs> so I, I, I sympathize for them in advance. <laughs> okay, all right. Do you do you drink coffee, by the way? Yeah. What? Oh, I'm losing yeah. you. Yeah. You do? Whoa. Having a nice coffee uh, as we speak. Oh, so where where are you now? I'm just. Where am I here? I'm on the other side of Truro. I'm just driving home back to uh, New Brunswick. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah. Okay, so I want let's I want to move into a little bit of hockey here. It's uh, you've okay. I, like I know I was saying to you I think you're a fan favorite. You might disagree, but. Anytime you're in the yeah, stands when you were playing, you were definitely a topic of conversation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never, I've never really considered myself a, a fan favorite by any means. I mean, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't score any fancy goals. I'll put it to you that way. Well, one story I do want to tell uh, to the listeners is I, when I did get called up to the Moosehead, Sawyer was one of the yeah. first people to come up to me and and shake my hand and welcome me to the team. And I always thought that your uh, your personality was always so positive, and people fed off that. There was never anyone around you that was, uh, you know, how people can talk negatively, but whenever people were around yeah. you, they were always positive, and I kind of felt uh, felt that as soon as I got awesome, into the man. dressing room. So. Yeah, all this is that. all Thank the success you. you're, all the success that you're seeing now is uh, it's due for sure. <laughs> no, I, I uh, you know I appreciate that. Um, I I mean, there's certain people in my life, and my grandfather being one of them, um, I admire so much that I want to be like him. And, and and in certain moments, I I simply stop and ask myself, you know, what would my grandfather do in this situation? Um, and, and often it's the right thing. So I'm kind of lucky to have that that kind of guidance, I guess, in that role model. 
Well said. Um, so you said, I, I couldn't believe what you said earlier about how, you know, you didn't really come to a big city until you came to Halifax and, and started playing for the Moosehead. So t- that must have been surreal for you and playing in front of 10,000 people coming from a, a town with 800 people from every single yeah. night playing in front of a crowd. What was that like, like going back to your uh, billets and things like that? Well, I, I remember, I mean, when I got drafted to Halifax, I had a good year in Midget. Um, I got drafted to Halifax. Halifax was the worst place team the year before. So I thought, you know, if I'm going to make any team, it's this one. I was on the bubble. I made it as the seventh defenseman, I believe. Like, So every single day I was there, like, just doing whatever I could to make the team, you know. I, I certainly didn't feel comfortable. I was completely out of my comfort zone, willing to do anything to, to try to make that squad. And when I did, I was just so happy to be there that um, instead of kind of getting soaking up or getting lost in all the, all the extras – I was just so focused on being there and staying there. So in terms of the crowd and, and um, you know, the, the attention drawn on myself and, and us as players in, in the Halifax market, I was just tunnel vision. I'm happy to be here. I want to stay here. I want to get better in advance. So in terms of the crowd, the marketing, the whatever, I didn't even really pay attention to it. And that all goes back to the 100% focus on what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. And I mean, at the end of the day, if I was an all-star and whatever, I mean, who knows? But I wasn't, you know? I was a guy on the bubble. I had to earn my keep. So I had to be focused on those things. I had to, you know, be going to bed early the night before a game. I had to be, you know, whatever, following every single rule because I couldn't, if I didn't, who knows what would have happened, you know? Where if I was, you know, a first-line all-star, maybe things would have been different. I want to talk about your development within that organization because Cam Russell and you played a similar style game. How much of yeah. a, a role did he help with you developing your game at a at a major junior level? Cam was uh, Cam was funny, and there's there's a few role models in my life, and only a few that they can teach you without deliberately teaching you. You know, like they don't have to tell you something; you just kind of know. Yeah. Cam was, Cam was one of those guys. Like, he, he didn't have to tell me to do things. And I didn't always know. You know, I was a teenager. I was immature and yada, yada. But for the most part, I knew. You know, I knew if something had to be done, he didn't have to ask to do it. I was happy to do it. Because, you know, that's how much respect I had for him as, as an authoritative or as a superior um, figure was, you know, if he needed something done, I'd be happy to do it. And it's funny, that relationship, I still keep in touch with Cam, and I've never told him this. But if he needed me at this point, it, that, that respect hasn't gone anywhere, you know? Mm. Like, whatever I would have needed. And that's Cam I, Cam in my books, and maybe it's because we played a similar role or because we're similar players, or I don't know. But in my books, I kind of always had him on a pedestal, and I always wanted to, you know, do the right things for him out of respect. Um, so that was the kind of guy Cam was. That's great. Uh, I think the listeners will love to hear that because whenever they hear Cam, it's just in the papers and they don't really get to yeah. hear what he's like behind the scenes. So by right. you saying no, that, I think that'll Cam, give a great... Yeah, I mean, I was a player and I played there a lot and I had some ups and downs, uh, but Cam remained steady. I have no complaints um, in terms of Cam. And even to this day, he still remains steady. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'm, very, I'm very lucky and any kid that's going to go play in Halifax is lucky to have him there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of what the newspapers might say at times, I'm telling you, he's a, he's a straight shooter and he's a guy you want in your organization. When I was talking to Austin Hardy the other day, he said the exact same thing that you're saying. Just a, a great yeah. organization that keeps in touch afterwards and well said. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we, we, I mean, in a sense, we're kind of little hockey robots that are put on the ice to put uh, fans in the seats and make money and yada, yada. But I never felt that from Cam. I never felt that 
Cam really loved the game and he loved the players, and that was his priority. I love you know that. What I, mean? I love that. Uh, yeah, and even years after my service was done and I couldn't generate another penny worth of revenue for that company, he was he was just as steady as he was when I could have. You know what I mean? Which to me is really cool. I love to hear that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it is a business, and when you have someone inside the business that really cares about the person, yeah. that's a rare thing yeah. in this world. Exactly. I'll tell you what. I, I, I wouldn't say Cam isn't a business guy, but his priorities are on the right things. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Cool. Okay, so let's go from, you know, a guy that's on the bubble, a seventh defenseman, to being drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. Like, yeah. just take me take me through that whirlwind of a year that must have been for you. Sure, yeah, okay. So, like I said, I walked into camp, wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Definitely on the bubble. A big reason why I made it, I think, actually has to do with Cam. Um, oh. But anyway, I, I made the squad, so be it. I was a scratch for the home opener which was devastating because it was a huge crowd that night. First game in Halifax, we had a big team full of rookies. I mean, a a team full of rookies, not a physically big team, but we had a bunch of guys that were just so damn excited to be a part of this new team and the big crowd, and and I had to experience that from the seats, okay? So I was was a little put out, Mm. and that continued for another month. I was kind of cycled in on a rotation in the lineup, and it got to a point where I was like, you know what, man? I got to do something about this. And at that point, I didn't have any ex- experience fighting. I mean, I've never, I've never fought off the ice or I never, whatever. But I was, you know, I was PO'd and I said, I got to do something that's going to separate me from the other guys. So again, and I rallied up a bunch of courage. I went out and I challenged probably the toughest guy, uh, Ashton Bernard at that time. He had like four big fights the year before. Oh yeah, we all know his name. Him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, big scary dude. Um, <laughs> but he... I had, he was 19, I believe. I was a 17-year-old rookie. I just turned 17. I challenged him, and I, I challenged him thinking, I'll probably get beat up, but the, the management's going to see my courage. And yeah. I went in there, and I actually, I remember it all kind of slowing down for me, and I'm throwing punches, and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Like, this is cool. <laughs> this guy's supposed to be this big, bad, tough guy, and here I am, you know, doing pretty good. Um, and, and honestly, I think I won that fight. I've lost some since, of course, but I think I won that one. And it was the same thing. The management wasn't so thrilled that I won the fight or fought, whatever. They were thrilled by, the, the I, I think, the, the initiative that I took. And that initiative earned me a consistent spot in the lineup for the rest of the year. And it also earned me significant playing time which allowed me to develop as a player. So my um, my development that year in terms of a player and also my fighting edge uh, grew progressively, and that's what attracted Vancouver. What attracted Vancouver wasn't who I was today. It was my growth rate and who I could be tomorrow. And that, that I was drafted on that principle. Well, that's a great principle to be drafted on, the fact that they can see you for that side of who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they said, you know, here's a guy, in my opinion, I mean, they didn't say this, so I'm kind of sub-quoting here, but they said, you know, here's a guy who took the initiative. He grew a lot this year in terms of his his, um, his play. So, you know, maybe he can grow some more is, is essentially, I think, what they were thinking. Yeah. What an experience, though, just to be able to go to that Vancouver camp that year and just, like, play with the best skaters in the world. Did you get on the ice with the Sedins at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a skate. I, I went to main camp both my years um that was really cool um i got to skate with those guys robert luongo uh ryan kessler after he scored his 40 goal season no wow uh, yeah a lot of those guys, and, and it was surreal and i'm telling you man i'm from a small town in brunswick 
it, it was 20-something years before anyone played Major Junior before I did for my area. And it, it was all surreal, man. I was just happy to be playing Major Junior, let alone being drafted. <laughs> you know, I completely exceeded my expectation. You must, mean, in every you, in every way, shape, and form. You must be like a town like God for where you're from, man. Like you, no, from 800 people, you're you're too yeah, humble. You're too humble. But no, man. Honestly, I'm just I'm happy to just be one of the guys. And 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 for me, and back home, that's exactly how I'm I'm treated, and that's how I want to be treated. You know what I mean? Hockey isn't even. Besides beer league and whatever else, I like hockey isn't even mentioned. Yeah. And even country liberty isn't really talked about. I mean, my, my professions stay my professions, and then I have my personal life, which when I'm home in Rexton, it's all that personal life. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, I really appreciate that. I love to hear that. that that's 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 a good thing. I love that you stay humble back yeah. where you're from, and that's a good oh, thing. Of course, man. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I want to tell a funny story about I it was uh what was that game the Cape Breton game what, what was that called the Battle of Nova Scotia sorry yeah, and I want to go back I want to go back to your positive attitude it was one of my friends that was on Cape Breton Ian Sab do you remember him oh yeah and I think I, I think <laughs> he had a dislocated shoulder and I was on the ice you were on the ice and you wanted to or maybe he wanted to go with you some one of you two yeah. had a, a a hurt shoulder or something like that and I remember just one, one, one second. Justin, I just gotta put you on hold just for one second. Yeah, yeah, no worries, okay? no worries. Go ahead. Hello, hello. Oh, hey, sorry about that, man. I just uh, went through the toll. <laughs> oh, no worries. I'll I'll edit it out anyways, like the gap there. Okay, sweet. Yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, so yeah, it was back to we were in Cape Breton, battling Nova Scotia. You and Sab were about to go, and you, I think his shoulder was dislocated or something, and you guys just yeah. laughed it off like it was no big deal. And I remember looking at both. You guys are both big boys, and you guys were about to go at it right in front of me. I thought that was yeah. funny. Yeah, we, uh, me and Saber, uh, we actually lived together in Europe. We're really good buddies. Oh, are you? Day. Yeah, and we were, we were good buddies then. Um, and it was just kind of funny. I mean, we were both rookies and things like that, so. Do you remember? Just looking for, oh, yeah, I remember the time, yeah, because it was the only time I ever asked him to fight, and he said no. Um, but he, he hurt his hand or something. You're right. There was some kind of injury there. Yeah. Um, and he didn't want to do it, but essentially it wasn't out of, like, it wasn't even out of competitiveness. It, it was just, just like, hey, hey, it's a good time to fight. Like, let's do it. You know, it'll be good for both of us. Well, yeah, you know, I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah, looking at both of you, and you both had huge smiles on your face, and I was just like, what yeah, the hell man. is going on yeah, here? Yeah. We've, we've been in we've been in scuffles before, and uh, I mean, I can't. Every time I look at the guy, I just want to laugh because we, we've got so many funny stories together. <laughs> uh, but at that time, it would have been kind of in our best interest to fight. I kind of forget why, uh, but he turned it down because. He was injured, and I still tease him to this day. I tease him that he was scared of me. Uh, in tr- in, yeah, in truth, and I mean, you know Saber, so you know how he'd re- react to that. Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, in truth, he had an injury, so I don't blame him. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. I, I want to... I'm pretty sure you know the photo. The photo with you and Conrad Albelshazzar playing rock, paper, scissors. It was in the front of the Chronicle yeah. Herald. I think it was during yeah. playoff time. Was that like a ritual, yeah. or was that just like a one-time thing? Yeah, no, no. Um, so that year... Um, Conrad and I were on the top pairing. That was my 19 year. There you go. Um, and yeah, we were we were we were playing against top lines that year. Actually, statistically, it looks like my worst year, but it was actually <laughs> my best year in terms of I was I had a shutdown role. I was trying to shut down top lines, the other teams. It was really exciting. I had a lot of responsibility and and so on and so forth. And and in saying that, when in practice, me and Conrad would always compete to. Set. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Okay, I got you. Okay. Say, say start um, again with practice. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So we we would go out and practice, 
Conrad and I, and we'd always be keen to who gets to start the drill first. And <laughs> how we used to dictate who started the drill, we'd play rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and, and at one point, I, uh, somebody, you know, somebody snapped a picture of it. But yeah, we would play rock, paper, scissors almost every practice, depending on the drill. You know, if it's a bag skate, we weren't racing in line to be first. But if it was a fun drill, we'd always compete to who could go first. And the only way to, to kind of make it fair was through a rock, paper, scissors game. Was it best two out of three or was it just straight up? <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember that detail, but um, I, I do remember playing it a lot. Um, well, Conrad was always a, a favorite teammate apparently from people that i talked to yeah, uh really nice yeah. guy so give me one of your yeah. uh, a couple maybe just a couple like uh favorite teammates if you can pick some for me a couple favorite teammates uh conrad would definitely be one of them um he actually he got married last last june oh did he injured yeah in germany he had a real traditional wedding he he mailed me an invitation all the way from germany oh what um, a guy and, and, yeah i mean that just shows the kind of guy he is i didn't make it and it's still one of my biggest regrets here in the last few years is I should have got on a plane and I should have went over to Germany. Uh, but I'm going to see him this June. He's coming to Halifax, so that's awesome. Wicked. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned Austin Hardy, great guy. I played with a lot of great guys. Uh, Steven Dillard, Andrew Ryan, Brent Andrews, uh, Darcy Ashley. Uh, I mean, I don't want to forget anybody. I mean, I played with a long list of just great, great guys. Um so, yeah, I mean, in terms of that department, I couldn't even think of many people I, I dislike. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I played, with, I played with a lot of real good guys. Well, it just goes back to the positive thing around you. People always came up to you, and they were always positive. So it's hard to be a dick around you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if, I want to talk about uh, what it was like playing in Austria, like professional hockey over there. Just, like, give me, like, a quick yeah. little quick something sure. about it. Um, well, well, Vancouver sent me there to develop my skills okay as you know i'm a very meat and potatoes guy i had to go over there and develop uh you know my skating and my puck work and my edge work and yada yada um, so i went over there with that intention they're very much focused on uh basic endurance we used to ride the bike for five hours a day every Jesus. day um yeah so that was different there was no weightlifting. they didn't believe in the north american like get big and strong and like hurt people they just believed in like being in really good uh cardio shape yeah cardio, um, yeah. yeah so a lot of that we did a lot of the skate skating mill like the skating treadmill tons of that work tons of bike work um and a lot of like skill sessions often throughout practice we'd have like we'd have a normal practice and then we'd have just a skills only practice you know what i mean like around cones and edge work and stick handling and, and pivoting and, and you know whatever a lot of fundamental over. Fundamental, yeah, skill work practices, and then we'd have your textbook, you know, flow practices with PK power play at the end and whatever, right? Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, the, the game was different. It was on an Olympic size ice, uh, so that was very, very different. There was no such thing as dump and chase. You know, it was a very puck possession game. There wasn't many hits. Um, the little yappy guys like could get away with stuff. Oh, that Where sucks. In North America, they, yeah, in North America, they they don't. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of different variables. I mean, my game, my kind of mean streak, and that side of me was significantly less effective. I was gonna say, Sim yeah, yeah, simply because I couldn't chase people. But when I did, they weren't used to it. So in the same breath, I couldn't really chase people and punish people, but I could scare people because they did, they weren't used to that kind of craziness you know that in north america every team has a few of those guys that get a little wild 
but over in Europe, they, that's non-existent. Yeah, right? I, so, I know what you mean. I saw a game in Prague last year, and I didn't even think I was watching hockey. Like there was yeah, like penalties it, called every two minutes. Like it was. Yeah, it, it's it's a different game. I I got like I'd be afraid to know how many penalty minutes I got over there because they call a penalty like you said for everything and anything. Yeah. Um, and I I'm, I play on the edge and uh, typically uh, the edge of my temper, so you know <laughs> that just leads to more penalties and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was a it was definitely a different game. My my kind of recap of that experience would be, it wasn't a place for a guy like me to play. But it's a great place if you're a smooth, skating, slick, puck-possession guy. Mm. Go to Europe would be my advice. But if you're a meat and potatoes guy like me, you have no choice but to make it in North America. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. Um, quick, just what do you have any meaning behind the number 77, or was it just like given to you? Um, no, I I like 77 because nobody else had it, <laughs> to be honest. Different. I, that's, yeah, like I liked it. I mean, it looked sharp. But I, uh, I just, I wanted to pick a number nobody else had, so that's, I went with 77. Beautiful. Well, you yeah. know, I, I covered everything that I, I wanted to talk uh, to talk about. We covered the brand, covered the hockey stuff. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say to, like, the listeners, maybe? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I would love, I'm, I'm feeling more grateful now um, than ever. So I would like to just send a big, big thank you out to everybody that's, you know, supported me from day one with hockey or country liberty or the most recently with this studio launch i mean the support i've seen from the studio launch alone it's it was it was breathtaking and very humbling um so i just i from the deepest part of my heart i want to say thank you very much uh, for that unconditional and continued support sawyer you're a stand-up guy buddy i appreciate you uh <laughs> you coming on this podcast and talking um yeah. this summer we're gonna have to grab a beer when you come back in the city and uh Oh yeah, I'll treat you to a beer for you because you're doing me a huge favor by coming on here. I appreciate it. Yeah, no sweat, man. I uh, honestly, I love talking about this stuff. So uh, thank you very much for having me, and uh, I wish you all the best. Like you said, we're gonna grab a beer this summer, so I'll see you then. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Cheers. Bye bye.